Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. So all week long, I've been singing um, that Pete Seeger song, Turn, Turn, Turn. Anybody remember that? The birds did it, B-Y-R-D-S. Uh, and they use this, the words to that song or this is this passage from, from uh, Ecclesiastes. And I don't know, as Mike said, we've heard that many times before. After high school, I went off to college to study ornamental horticulture at Cal Poly, which is California State Polytechnic College. Soon after I got there, I started flunking classes. Um, how do you flunk ornamental shrubs? Well, I flunked ornamental shrubs, and then I flunked ornamental trees, and then realized I was really more suited for the liberal arts. So I transferred to Chapman College. Now, Chapman College is now Chapman University in Orange, California. At the time I got there, it was a small Christian college for small Christians. And it was also called a college that had a hundred years of tradition unmarked by progress. But I, I did manage to graduate from Chapman College in 1972, and my majors were religion and English. I had a split major, they called it. Well, in my senior year of college, I married a beautiful young opera singer, and we moved to Fort Worth, Texas, where I was to attend Bright Divinity School. With my marriage falling apart, I then moved to Berserkley, California, and Pacific School of Religion, where I finished my seminary education. Now, you can imagine the culture shock between, this is 1973 now, of Fort Worth, Texas, to Berkeley, California. And the approach to ministry was a little different in my two seminaries as well. But I was glad that I had that one year of school in Texas at Bright Divinity School because their style was to teach you how to preach. We had a whole semester on preparing the sermon, a whole semester on delivering the sermon. Now, Pacific School of Religion had a different approach where they didn't teach anything about how to preach, but they told you what to preach. So it was sort of, one was about method, and the other one was about content. When I graduated in PSR, I really didn't know what the heck I was doing about preaching and how to preach, but thanks to some very forgiving congregations, I managed to make a career of it. While in seminary, we learned a technique in how to prepare a sermon known as exegesis. And in exegesis, you take a passage of scripture. I remember I took a, a passage from the eighth chapter of Romans and spent most of a semester taking it apart. This is one verse, by the way, one verse. And we took it apart to learn more about what it meant and how to explain it and how to interpret what it meant. And I'm sure that Len and Tony and... and um, Every other seminarian knows what that exegesis is and how much fun it is. 
We seminarians had to go to these strange buildings called libraries and look up information in these weird paper things that were called books. We had no Google, we had no internet, and actually no, no personal computers at all. Computers in 1973, well, they, they, if you're lucky, they would fit in the size of your living room. But this is how we did our exegesis work without any technology other than the library. In fact, when I graduated from high school, my parents gave me as a graduation present an electric typewriter. It was electric, but you still had to throw the carriage. Now for you young people, ask an older person what it means to throw the carriage. Over the years of preaching and exegeting, I decided to leave most of the exegesis to the scholars, a camaraderie to which I really don't belong, and let the scripture speak for itself and do just enough analysis of that scripture in the sermon not to complicate it too much, any more than complicated, any more than necessary, and allow you, the congregation, to do the same, to let it speak to you without a lot of analysis and picking it apart like you would do in an exegesis. There have been many times in preaching and in, in serving churches for me and maybe Len and, and Tony and other pastors when the, the lesson is read and the smartest thing you can do as a pastor is to just sit down and let the scripture speak for itself because there isn't much that we as pastors can do to improve on the lesson just as it is. Take the lesson that Mike read for you this morning. How many times have we heard that lesson? There is a season for everything and a time for every matter under the heavens. This passage may be have a different meaning for us every time we hear it. Maybe it did for you today. Maybe you heard it a little differently than you did the last time you heard it. And we, we hear it differently at different times of our lives, depending on what's going on in our lives and what our experiences are. There is, of course, nothing wrong with doing an exegesis on this passage or any passage. But we have to remember that when we do that, picking, picking apart, we may just lose some of its power and some of its beauty. I suppose that's the English major in me. As a lover of good literature and poetry, that spurs me on to just read it and let it soak in. With this in mind, how about another passage you might be familiar with? I want you to just let this one soak in too, without any analysis or comment. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We live in a world that tries to exegete everything, to pick it apart, that we might find reality in, in analyzing, but we end up analyzing it to death. At one time, we had three major TV networks. Remember those days? They brought us the news, and they were pretty consistent, really, with each other. Well, now we have dozens of news outlets, dozens of new sources of information, and we have dozens of views of reality. Is it any wonder we get so confused about what is true and what is not true, what is right and what is wrong? I learned to love opera when I was in college, especially Puccini, Verdi, and Mozart. I never felt I needed to know what those singers were saying. Well, partly because they were singing in French or Italian or German, but I really didn't want to know. I didn't need to know. I didn't even know what the storylines were, what the plot of the opera was. I just loved the music and the beauty of the voices. I learned them also from phonograph records. Do you remember those things that spin around like that? So there were no translations in there. My son asked me one time, he held up a, a videotape, and he says, how do you, or, or no, it was a, a CD, and he says, how do you rewind this? And uh, no, he held up the phonograph record and said, how do you rewind it? So I said, well, you could spin it backwards. Of course, there was a rumor that when you spun one of the Beatles records backwards, it said, Paul was dead, Paul was dead. Yeah. So that's how I learned to love opera, not because I knew what the story was or knew the language, but for the beauty of it. For me, opera is an art. Just like any art, if it's painting or sculpture or dance or music or literature, that's just to name a few. That art is to be experienced as it is and we know that we celebrate it and recognize our arts council. Art is what it is. And so it is with our spiritual journey, I think. It's to be experienced like an art. We do study the Bible, and we need to do that and explore the issues that influence our lives, our individual lives, and our community. We need to ask questions and to seek answers on life's toughest issues. And at times when we seek the divine, whether we do that individually or as a community, we need to listen with our minds, resting our minds, and just listening. Christian scriptures are inspired literature written by those who, like us, we're seeking for meaning to this life and listening for the voice of the divine. Sometimes they merely reflected the age in which they lived with its myths and its prejudices and its fears. At other times, they were truly able 
to shine the light and truth through their words and reflect the essence of God. Scriptures are the starting point of our faith, cannot be underestimated in their importance, and for me, their beauty. My challenge for you today is then to rediscover the Bible. Assuming there is a copy you can lay your hands on, pick it up and read in it. Oh, it is, of course, online as well. If you want stories, try Genesis. If you want wisdom, how about the Proverbs? For poetry and beauty, it's the Psalms. And you'll find inspiration in the Gospels and Paul's letters. When you read, let the words sink in and then read it again. Let it speak to you in the moment. It will surprise you. So I will finish with one more lesson, this one from Matthew 5. Just listen, let it soak in. This is one of those lessons that a preacher has trouble improving on. So when I'm finished, I'm sitting down. Here are these words of Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who seek all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online-giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.